everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Bottle Banter. I'm excited to introduce a friend of mine and local business owner, Molly Reckman. How are you today? Good. Doing great. Excited to be here. I met Molly about a year ago, was it? Yeah. Maybe a little, and then a few months. I walked into Spruce just on a whim, which I do not recommend (laughs) because it's hard to get an appointment with you guys. But after talking for a while, Molly and I kind of realized we both had a bit of a common ground, I would say. We kind of simply just bonded over women, launching careers and trying to find balance in our everyday lives, experiencing different levels of pressure, anxiety, and how to progress in our 20s and 30s. How old are you? I just turned 35 decades. So you've been through a lot of the stuff that I am currently going through. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to have you on is because you can shed a lot of light. Yeah. So just kind of a overview of like what we do. So Spruce, we opened up in February of 2016. We're in our third year now. And it's definitely, I think for me, our biggest year of like business, learning the, the real do's and don'ts of growing into a larger business. We started out doing manicures and pedicures. And the reason I started Spruce was because of a need for me kind of realizing like we needed a change in the industry. And one of the big impacts of that was reading the um, article I was talking about the yeah. New York Times expose price of nice nails what we really realized is that in a lot of nail salons when you walk in you get that kind of like immediate headache and you realize like all these kind of toxins and fumes that you're inhaling and breathing in the minute you've been there not only is that not good for you but then when you start to think about the men and women that are working in these salons that have been there sometimes 10 to 12 hours a day just constantly doing that what I really wanted to do was kind of create an environment where We really looked out for the employees and the staff. And so all of our polishes are toxic free, which means they're five free or more. So they're free of the five most harsh toxins that are in most polishes. So it's formaldehyde, formaldehyde resin, DBP, camphor, and toluene. And then everything in our salon is also vegan and cruelty free. So one of the biggest issues is definitely going on in the beauty industry is testing on animals as well. Everything that we use and every brand that we work with, we make sure that they are also cruelty-free as well. So most recently, like in the last year, we started more kind of expanding past just manicures and pedicures because then we started kind of looking into like other realms of the beauty industry and where we could learn from like what's been done and kind of find like a healthier alternative. Recently, we started doing sugaring, which is a natural form of hair removal. And now starting next week, actually, we're going to be launching our line of facials. The connecting issue here is trying to figure out like what women want. Starting Spruce kind of came from like a need in the market. When I first moved to OTR, I would always ask people, what are the two things that you think OTR needs? Everybody kind of across the board was like, we need an alcohol and dry cleaner. At first I thought, well, coming from an art background, this could be a really great opportunity to do this. It's only when I started kind of doing the research about what it would take to open the salon is when I kind of found out all the information. And Mm -hmm. from there, it just kind of morphed into something completely different. How do you find some of your employees that kind of had the same values as you do? You know, I was actually just talking to a couple of the girls today about this, and I have found at least four to five of our nail techs through Instagram. Sounds kind of crazy, but I find that a lot of the women that work for us, not only is their passion about nails, but they also are very passionate about clean beauty, healthy living, and that really translates into their work in nails. That kind of funnels down from like the start of your business to mm-hmm. who you're hiring so that they are a reflection of your work. That's a reflection that you're doing something right. As women, we are very aware of what we put into our bodies and sometimes to our own detriment, honestly. Mm-hmm. And just to touch on that, what you just said about putting into our bodies, that was something that fascinated me so much about starting Spruce is that 
so many women coming in didn't realize at first it's not only about what we're putting in our bodies, but what we're putting on our bodies. Like mm-hmm. I talked to many women who you know, they're like, I ate healthy, I worked out, I went to the gym, you know, but then I would go to a salon and I would, you know, stick my hands under a UV light or I might go get a facial where, you know, these chemicals are literally burning layers of skin off my face. I think so many times we've been under the impression, actually been told that beauty is pain. I think what we're learning now is that it really doesn't have to be. Yeah. And you don't have to compromise to look good or to feel good either. I've worked in restaurants where they mask flavors with fat and you don't know what you're eating and there isn't really a sense of trust there. Mm -hmm. And you guys are creating that sense of trust and security as well. And our number one thing that we always tell clients, transparency is the biggest word that we use when it comes to spruce. Mm -hmm. And if a client comes in and wants to see like our dispensary where we clean and disinfect and sterilize all the implements, then we will take them back there and show them we should do that because they're literally putting their health and safety in our hands. And we want to make sure that we're always super open, honest, and transparent about everything that we do. And one of the topics of conversation that we had before was the idea of pressure that we put on ourselves to look good, to feel good, or to say the right things at the right time. Do you feel like you have a hard time balancing your daily life too? I think that's probably one of my biggest struggles from starting a business is, and it's still something I'm trying to kind of work on more this year, is that the balance between your life and your work as a business owner is is so hard because they just overlap so much. And when you're at home, not working, you feel guilty that you're not working. And when you're working and, you know, maybe not with a significant other family member, you're missing another family event, then you feel that guilt. So it's, it's kind of the managing the guilt and realizing where you are in the moment. And that's something this year that I'm trying to make more of an effort on, but it's a constant struggle. That really, that really affects you coming into work every day and the energy that you bring into space. And I try to, where I'm at, be present in that moment and be like, okay, I'm at work. This is what I'm focusing on. I'm at home. This is what I'm focusing on. It is definitely a, a constant struggle for me, unfortunately. I think a lot of the complexity of the issue is that the difference is that the answer is always different for everyone. Your type of balance will be different than my type of balance. And then say I were to get on my phone and I were to look up something or just scroll through something and someone's talking about balance or doing this or that. It's like, mm-hmm. well, then I feel like I should be doing that also. And because I'm not now, like you said, I feel guilty. Yeah. And exa- and I think, and I know we've been talking about this earlier, but I think that social media has a huge influence on that pressure that we put on ourselves to always be creating, always be mm-hmm. doing something. But in reality, it's not feasible and you have to take a time to step back in order to be able to create. It's kind of a catch-22 also because you have social media that helps run your business at times. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I spend so much of my time through our on our social media because it is such a big part of our business. But at the same time, I, your head's stuck in a phone a lot of the times because of that. I'm so much happier when I realize I'm not focusing on an idyllic version of perfection that I'm kind of falling short of. Oh, yeah. And I realize if you're not thinking about it, then that's a problem also. That means you're not paying enough attention. And then that's a downfall to your personal development in a sense. Yeah. And then um, that goes back to the 
more pressure. Right. We, we become like so preoccupied of, of with what we have and then we lose yeah. sight of who we are, or what it is that we want to become. Exactly. Yeah. And then you also have to go along with that a desire as women too. I think especially with women in our society and I don't know how it got this bad. Obviously, mm-hmm. like we said, social media, but we have this tendency to please everyone or feel yeah. like we need to please everyone and that can be unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And the parallel there is also independence. Like you want to be independent and you want to figure things out and to do things for yourself and to learn that way. But it can be very unhealthy depending on who you're trying to please and how you're trying to please them. Yeah. And I think the number one thing I learned from starting my own business is that it's okay and it's in fact like beneficial for you to ask for help wherever you can. And I think when I first started Spruce, I felt like, you know, doing this on my own, it's going to be just me. I'm going to figure it out. And it was pretty quick into like planning that I'm like, no, I I want help from everybody who will sit and talk to me. And I wanted to hear about their experiences and I wanted to hear about, you know, what they learned and what worked and what didn't work for them. And so I, I, before opening Spruce, there's probably like five or six different salon owners, mostly with hair. I didn't really know any nail salon owners that I sat down and just kind of picked their rate as much as they would let me. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what helped make Spruce what it is. You know, especially with the staff at Spruce that people always feel comfortable coming and talking to me. Whether What's really cool about what you've done here, especially in OTR, and A, it's really hard to succeed as a business. B, it's hard to succeed from the ground up Mm -hmm. as you're doing it all by yourself. I think that recently, maybe in like the last five years or so, but either in the corporate world or not so much the corporate world, people are kind of starting to understand the value of more meaningful work. And they want that in their life for a variety of reasons. People kind of just start to take their lives back in a way. And I'm emphasizing that independence and family or leisure, health and being. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll find that with so many of the business owners, especially in the OTR area, is that not all of us necessarily studied like business or entrepreneurship. You know, we all came from different careers. Some people came from more corporate career. I came from a fine arts career and being an art teacher. And I think what has made the businesses around here so successful is the individual people and the passion for what they're doing. Mm -hmm regardless of like the credentials they come from. Do you remember like where you first started, how you started from the ground up? I remember having the idea and talking about it. And I was actually, I remember I was just like bragging to be with both my brothers and we were talking and I was, I had been looking into like the nail salon industry and like what it was about. And that's after I read the article, the New York Times expose and was in the middle of kind of all this research. I didn't really know what I was going to do with it yet. I was just kind of finding out all this stuff. And just talking about it, they both were like, you need to do this. This needs to be where you go with your career because of how passionate I was talking about it and how much I wanted to see a change. And I think it kind of came to fruition just through me learning. Did you have to go back to school to become an esthetician? So I went back to school to become a nail tech. I am certified. You get to school to get your license, then you just have to get approved through state board. And so I have a license, a manicurist license. I don't have an esthetician license, so I don't do the facials. Um, I just do uh, the nails and spruce. But I went back after deciding that I wanted to do this and went back and went through school as well. Let's talk about that article that you brought up. Yeah. And how that kind of empowered you to do something. Yeah. So the article called The Price of Nice Nails, it really kind of just blew the lid off the nail salon industry, which is 
you're not familiar with like what happens in the background, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like what's going on behind the doors? But what is actually happening in a lot of nail salons? And it's not even like just in like New York or, you know, California. It's like all across the country. It's like a problem is that one, the chemicals they're using are illegal, toxic, and they're being used as like fillers and they're having to be used in a daily environment with bad ventilation. And there's actually quite a high percentage of and that's from the ground up, I'm sure, from the people who are creating the chemicals to bottling it to distributing it. I just know that it exists in these salons and they're using these chemicals to fill polishes, to thin them out. It goes from the chemicals that they're using, acrylics. And then not only are they breathing them in every day, but they're in poorly ventilated areas to where a lot of workers in the salon industry have the same exact health issues as lifelong smokers. It is at a crazy high percentage. So not only the health issues, but the wage issues. I mean, I know a lot of people sometimes come here from maybe New York or bigger cities and they're used to the $10 manicure. But when you think about someone's doing your nails for sometimes like an hour and a half and it costs you $10, there's corners cut from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And chances are it's the nail tech that's getting cut. Sometimes they were finding that Techs were being paid as little as like $2 an hour to like $16 a day. If polish was dropped or a client's shoes got ruined by a dab of polish, they would be docked that from their salary. They were having to pay insane amounts of money to train just to get the job, which is also not right. And then the biggest issue that is kind of known through this article is the issue of sex trafficking through nail salons, which is something that happens everywhere and Toledo, Ohio is like one of the largest like percentages for it. So it's not something that, you know, used to happen in the past or something. It's still something that's being, you know, looked at today. And I think what was a really great impact that this article has is that it did cause a lot of people to kind of look into these salons and a lot of salons that were doing this stuff have been shut down. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. How is this still How does this exist? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely now, there was another article that came out about the impact that article had and how they were starting to go into these salons and shut down ones that weren't being operated properly. It's because the corner's being cut somewhere. Whether the products are not good quality and could be detrimental to your health or the person doing the service is not being paid properly. But usually it's one or the other. There's a lot of nail salons out there who, you know, do amazing work and treat or nail techs wonderfully and are really going above and beyond. And I think that's what this article really helped to change. But there's still so many salons and so many cities where this is still like a major, major issue. And you have some products in store that you guys make yourselves mm-hmm. and you're aware of all the ingredients in it, obviously. How do you yeah. battle what you're selling versus people who are selling something at a way cheaper price mm-hmm. that is obviously maybe more convenient for some people and how it separates itself from the rest. Yeah, I find that a lot of times when we get people who are coming in the first time, they think maybe, oh, this seems like higher. And we explain how, one, our pay works, what we do is different, and that we are ensuring the products that they're using. I think a lot of people are like, I had no idea this makes sense. As far as like the the products that we're using. We work with a local company in Columbus to create every single product that we put onto anybody's skin. So we make our own sugar scrub, hand lotion, foot cream, and cuticle oil. We work with this company and they work with local farms to get their oils and different ingredients. So we know where everything is coming from and that gives our clients such peace of mind, I think, to know like 
not only where it's knowledge. Yeah. And not only where it's coming from, but like also, you know, we're really open and honest about like where our ingredients come from and what exactly is in our product. So many times there's these 10 syllable words that we don't really know what's in it. So numbers and letters. Exactly. Yeah. And it really doesn't need to be that way. It might be a less expensive way, but I don't think it's that much of a price difference to where it's worth it. You know, if the people that are coming in this are asking about the ingredients and they want to know that stuff. So they're, they're wanting what we have rather Mm -hmm. than a cheaper alternative Mm -hmm. where they don't know what's in it. Right. So I found for us that we really don't have that competition issue. We've kind of started finding our favorites and curating this collection that we have available to clients now. So we work with a brand in Australia called EcoTan, and it actually, um, the woman who started started this company um, because she actually got had gotten skin cancer and wanted to find like a more um, natural alternative to the products that she was using because she had been out in the sun for so long. So she makes sure she's got great SPF protection in all of her products. And we also do a spray tan that is through her line, and it's a cacao-based spray tan, so you don't get that orange dye kind of look after getting a spray tan and it's all natural ingredients which is really nice and everything they use as well is certified toxic free certified organic certified vegan as well which is really cool and does it go on essentially how you would do another normal spray tan yeah so it's someone is like airbrushing it on you essentially but then we also have like two different lotions that you can use that are also self tanners and those have been really great add-ons for a lot of our clients who are looking for a more natural one because a lot of self tanners out there have like so many chemicals and dyes and things like that. In them. And they're pretty oblivious <laughs> yeah. too, when you're wearing them. Yeah. I mean, you don't really know like what you're, and again, that's just like being absorbed into your body. Right. So we are starting our facials, which is going to be really great. The brand that we're using for that is called Native Nectar Botanicals. And that's actually a small company based out of Colorado. She works with all local farmers as well, which is really cool. The email that I sent you last week has kind of stuck with me. The fact that we can kind of do all the emotional healing yeah. in the world and we can see any therapist we need to. But if we're not nourishing or nurturing our physical bodies, then we can't really find good health. What we eat impacts our moods. What we drink impacts our energy levels. And the shoes you wear to work actually affects how you feel about your job yeah. day to day. And I think we all go through a lot of life circumstances. Mm-hmm. And what it comes down to is figuring out how to kind of cope with it all, how to respond accurately, not to fix it necessarily, because it's always going to be an ongoing struggle. Right. But it's long as you can find balance with the good and the not so good, then I think it can do you a long way. Yeah. And I think kind of finding that balance is always a bit of a struggle, but I think it's really important in just your like overall well-being. For sure. The pressure that you have now um, in your 20s is, I don't think people, when I was in my 20s and I feel in my 20s, we didn't have the pressure of the social media that you guys do now. Constant visual um, pressure on like, you know, we have to be, you have to work out more because this person on Instagram worked out more. You have to eat healthier because this person needs healthier. You have to work harder because this person works harder. It's like, I didn't see all that in my 20s because I like day to day because we just didn't have, you know, Instagram, which again, dates me a little bit. But I think that is like so different now being in your 20s. Um, first when I was in my 20s you guys have I think way more pressure on you to like have all the answers and have it all figured out 
where in my 20s, I really didn't have any answers. And I, I failed at like quite a few things before I figured out where I really could succeed. And people maybe not seeing that failure helped me to get up and just try again, where the fear of failure, because everything is so visual and in, in your face nowadays, everyone sees it. And that pressure is so heavy on people in their 20s right now. It's a common topic yeah. that a lot of us have too. And I wish that there was a better solution yeah. than just talking about it. Right. Because other than that, I don't really know what solution there is. I think, and it's hard because it's such a different experience. And my friends would say like, gosh, thank God Facebook wasn't around or Instagram wasn't around when we were like this age because it probably would have changed so many of the decisions I made. And it would have changed so many of the influences I had in my life. My influences weren't, you know, through people I didn't know. And because I didn't see that all the time. And it's a lot. And now I'm even seeing in my 30s, like, my God, like people are so successful. It's like, there's all this pressure that I feel now that I couldn't imagine feeling when I was also When you started 25. the business yeah. also. Yeah. I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, you could fail. And that's like, okay, I think if you're afraid of failing, that's not a good reason not to do something because I've done, you know, other businesses in the past that I totally failed at. And I think that's what gave me the knowledge to do better with Spruce. But if I didn't have that failure, I don't think... I wouldn't have been able to create. Yeah, I don't think Spruce would have been what it was if I didn't fail so much in my past because I learned so many lessons of what not to do rather than what lessons to do. That really helps Spruce become what it is. You also had to be vulnerable and confident in what you're doing. Even when you are failing, that's also your place of progress and growth. Yeah, and you know, starting a, a concept like Spruce, it's totally different than most people are used to. I think as far as going getting their nails done, like Spruce looks different, it feels different. Now a lot of people can be like really skeptical about that. I still remember the day of going to flip the sign for the first time and being like, "Well, people could come, here or we go. People could yeah. not come, but either way, we're opening this business and we're going to see how it goes." Yeah, and, and you can't really allow yourself to be into intimidated by either your competition or the things you're supposed to feel intimidated by. Yeah. And I think competition is, I think sometimes we'll look at it as a bad thing, but I think it's a really good thing because it makes us all better at what we do because we do have that good competition. And I think for me, if I see that as a positive because that means the industry is changing. If we're the only one that exists, that's not really a good sign to me. That means that the industry is not changing, only we are. So I would hope more businesses like us open up, and which, I think they will. Which comes to the topic of wanting to collaborate with women who are doing yeah. the same thing, over-competing with them. Yeah, and I think that is like one of my favorite things about OTR. There's so many women-owned businesses down here, and every time I see somebody, they want to talk about an idea they have and like how we can do something together. Every time I have an event, I want to pull someone else in to do it with us. I think that's what makes this neighborhood and these businesses so different is because we all thrive by collaborating with each other. We've said it before, you can't yeah. succeed without the help of everyone else. Yeah, and I think one of the really cool things also about like a lot of the retail shops down here, Sloan and Idlewild and Continuum are all women-owned businesses. They're all selling women's clothing. They all want to work together and they all want to see the others succeed. And I think that is such a really, really cool thing. And you don't um, see that everywhere. You don't really. And one of the things that I love most about OTR is people realize we will do well if we all do well. And that's why everyone is so supportive. I mean, it's not really enjoyable when it's just you. Right. Yeah. I think all of the businesses here, I think genuinely want to see each other succeed. And I think success looks different to so many people. Nobody opens a small 
small business to become like a wealthy person. We do it because like passion is what we do. And I think that really translates across this neighborhood, which is really cool. I think the real crux of my mission with this podcast and just in general is to kind of find outlets and ways to enjoy our life, even in our everyday careers and to inspire others to kind of be their most badass, successful selves, be the most powerful people they can be. Yeah. I mean, and to expand the idea of what women are interested in. Right now, I'm not really looking for an end goal, but I'm having fun and it feels authentic. Yeah. And I just feel like it's kind of the right thing we all should be doing right now. And I, yeah, and I don't think you have to have like definitive answers like where, where you're at right now. And I, there's, again, that pressure on you to have everything figured out. You really don't have to. And if you do something that doesn't work out, you can always do something else. I think that's a great definition of success right yeah. there. But doing it more for yourself because no one's going to do it for you. That's a great way to put it. And I always say like, if you're wanting to start a business, to do it because you love work. Not because you love the exact thing yes. that you're doing. Yes. It has to be all of the work. Be excited when you go to work. Yeah. I never know if I'm going to be um, painting nails, <laughs> fixing a toilet, fixing a broken down um, laundry machine. You know, it's like every day is very different, but I love the work and I love that every day is different. And I love seeing the people I work with every day. And that's what, to me, I define success as. Yeah. So. Well, thank you for coming on. It was yeah, a great thanks. conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me.